rejoice always. So even when life is difficult, even when life is sorrowful, even when, as the hymn writer of the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, which was written on the occasion of his wife and children's drowning in the ocean, their ship sank. And as he was traveling over the very waters that their ship sank in, he pins the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. It's a raw, honest hymn. God is king. God's in control even over the death of his loved ones. That's not an upbeat, joyful song, but there's joy in his heart that he can make sense of that tragedy because God is king. Well, the sons of Korah here in Psalm 47 are showing us that the people of God ought to rejoice in God even when life is difficult. Psalm 47 here, God is king over all the earth. Does it exhort you to worship? As we've gathered together this morning with the people of God, does it exhort you to sing praises to God? It should. But it doesn't come natural to us. In order to sing like this, in order to give our king the worship he's worthy of, It will never come by way of you waking up on a Sunday morning and thinking, well, let me get myself ready to go worship today. This kind of worship is supernatural. This is the work of the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit giving us a joy in the Lord that we ourselves don't just naturally possess. It's a work of the Spirit of God through the Word of God. Let me just say this pastorally, because I've experienced it in my own soul, and if you haven't thought about or connected these dots, it's it's way past time you do. If you come to corporate worship on Sunday, and there's just no interest in the things of God, I, I would ask you not, what's the problem with our music? The problem is, how much time did you spend with God this week? In His Word. Focusing upon who he is, upon his kingship, upon his sovereignty. If you're bored with worship, you're bored with God. Which tells me there's nothing boring about God. It's you or I who hasn't spent time with him. This kind of worship is not natural. It's not something you can wake up on a Sunday morning and think, I'm excited to go to worship. That will never happen. This is the fruit of the Spirit of God, using the Word of God, speaking to us Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, cultivating worship in our hearts day after day after day after day, and then Sunday, the opportunity to go and now join others in worship of God. That's the work of the Spirit. If you find you're not motivated to sing with the people of God on Sunday morning, be concerned. As a pastor, it concerns me when our singing is weak, when my singing is weak, when our singing corporately is weak. And you might respond by saying, I tried to think through some of these things. 
Well, the reason I don't sing on Sunday morning is, well, I'm not a singer. That's just not who I am. I'm not musically inclined. I just don't enjoy singing. Maybe that's an answer somebody would give. Someone else might say, well, the reason I don't sing on Sunday is, man, we don't have a choir. We don't have instruments. We don't have a music minister. My goodness, we sing the videos. What do you want me to sing to? Or others might say, well, now, Jake, worship is more than just singing. There's other ways to worship God. And there might be truth to some of those statements. But the reality is, the people of God have always been a singing people. God has implanted a song into the heart of His people. When you read the Word of God and you read through, go and look in the specific translations of your Bible, you'll be reading about the works of God and then some... some uh, some Bible versions will have an indentation, meaning here's some, a song that somebody has written, poetry somebody has written, maybe Moses, maybe it was um, Mary in the New Testament. But here's a song, and they're just singing to the Lord. Well, it's not because they're musically inclined and you're not. It's because we were created to worship. This is what Christians do. They sing. They worship. And singing is not a, well, I'm a musically inclined person or I'm not a musically inclined person. Singing is a Christian thing, a God thing, a for His glory thing. The songs that we sing matter. We may not sing your favorite songs and not to say that your favorite songs aren't good ones, but the songs that Christians gather to sing together, it matters that we have songs that glorify God, that clearly, explicitly glorify God. And the way that we sing them says an awful lot about the condition of our hearts. The answer is not, well, we need more upbeat music. We need better instruments. We need a music minister. The answer is none of those things. The answer is what? No, we need a different heart. If you go back and look at the early church, there's no such thing as a music minister. Instruments are handmade. The instruments throughout church history, the primary instrument has always been the human voice. And worship has always been about a people with a heart that are enchanted by God, gathering together with one accord, united together by one thing, love for the Lord. And so we sing. The psalm here tells us to sing to the Lord because He's the King. And to sing with gusto, to sing with joy. Not because everything in your life is joyful. But why? It brings us to the third thing. Sing praises to God with gusto and joy because He is King of all the earth. He's the King of all the earth. We are to worship God with joy 
in all things, in all circumstances, because He's God. One of the reasons I think we fail to worship is because we have the wrong motivation for worship. For the sons of Korah, it's very clear. Go back and read the psalm. I'm not going to take time to do it again this morning, but go back this morning, this afternoon, reread it. It's very clear why they are so full of joy, why they are clapping, why. It's not because their lives are perfect. It's because God is. It's because God is king. They say, clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. Why? What motivates me to do that? What's going to motivate me? I'm not by nature a clapper. I'm not by nature a singer. I'm not by nature musically inclined. What's going to motivate me to worship God in this way? Answer, verse 2, 4. Because the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared. A great king over all the earth. Again, verse 7, here's, here's another explanation. For God is the king of all the earth. Therefore, sing praises with a psalm. Both in verse 2 and in verse 7, the for there is the motivation. It's an important word. It's significant. It's telling us the motivation why we worship. It's because He is God. He's worthy of our praise because He's the creator of the world. He spoke it into existence. You don't exist without Him. You don't enjoy anything without Him. You owe everything you are and everything you have to Him. He didn't need you. You don't bring anything to Him. I don't bring anything to Him. But He made us and gave us this world for His glory. And as such, again, as R.C. Sproul said at the beginning of the message, He owns you as your, as your maker, as your creator. He owns you. He made you. He owns you. He stands above you. And He, in relation to you and all things, is the Most High. A great King over all the earth. He stands above all things in heaven and on earth. He's sovereign. He's the Savior. And He's worthy of fear. What does it mean to fear the Lord? To respect Him deeply. To respect Him for who He is. To revere Him. To admire Him. To confess that He alone is God. He alone is worthy of worship, glory, honor, and praise. And the sons of Korah here say, here's why we worship. Here's why we sing praises to God with joy, with gusto. Because God is above all things. He is worthy of praise. He's worthy to be feared. Let me pause there. It's undeniable why the sons of Korah gather together with the people of God. Undeniable. They come together to worship the Lord because He's worthy. Why do you come? 
Why do you come together on the Lord's day? Listen to what Paul said to the church at Ephesus. He says to them, do not get drunk with wine. And most likely there's a reference there to the Lord's table, the drinking of wine. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled, he says to the church at Ephesus, with the Spirit, addressing one another. When you come together filled with the Spirit, here's what you do. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Paul's exhortation to the church at Ephesus, when you come together, is to worship the Lord. To come in filled with the Spirit, the Spirit, Holy Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody to the Lord. Unless we think just the church at Ephesus was unique, this is also what he said to the church at Colossae. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, the word of God, the word of Christ, when you come together, the word of God is central teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. You see, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs just for singing's sake is fruitless, doesn't worship the Lord. He's looking at the heart. Singing from the heart from a heart that's filled with the Spirit. And what's the work of the Spirit? To point us to Christ, to show us Christ, to make us love Christ. So when we come together, we're a people who are just infatuated with Jesus. We're enchanted by Jesus. We're overwhelmed by Jesus. And as the Word of Christ dwells richly in our midst, we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs from a heart that loves Jesus collectively. Paul's exhortation to both of these churches was when you come together, worship God in singing of songs. He didn't ask, are you musically inclined? He doesn't say, what's your instrumentation like? He doesn't say any of those things that oftentimes we allow to hinder our worship. He just says... Be filled with the Spirit. Have a heart that's captivated by God. And when you come together, nothing else matters. We worship the Lord. This worship is a vital component of new covenant worship. If the sons of Korah in the old covenant are this enchanted by God. They're praising God for what they know. Can I tell you that in the fullness of time, you and I have much greater revelation of God's greatness, of God's goodness, of God's salvation works through Jesus Christ than they had. If they are overwhelmed by God's greatness, how much more so we who know the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, in His person, in His work. 
in the great doctrine of salvation. If they're motivated by the fear of the Lord for what they knew of the Lord's greatness, how much more should true believers in the new covenant be motivated by fear of the Lord, by the Lord's greatness, of the Lord's goodness, of the Lord's salvation works, because we know far more than they knew. Do you see? But where does that kind of a heart fall into your and my participation on any given Sunday morning? If I were to revisit that question and ask, why did you come to church this morning? Or why do you come to church on a weekly basis? What would you say? Would you say, uh, it makes me feel good? You know, I, the, the week is hard and, you know, at least somewhere I'm getting a positive message. Would you say, well... I'm surrounded by good people. There's good fellowship at church. That's what we need. We need, we need fellowship. I need good people in my life. I'm encouraged by my brothers and sisters in Christ. Or maybe you say, I, I go to be fed. I go because Throughout the week, I know there's going to be things that I need, and so I go to be fed. All those things can be good reasons. I'm not shooting any of those down. But none of them are the right reason. None of them are the primary reason. None are the ultimate reason. The reason you come to church, the reason I come, should be to worship God Almighty. To worship Him. It's astonishing. And it's been eye-opening as a pastor. And not just as a pastor, for you, as a, for us as a church. As I look back and try to navigate the contours of even our church over the past couple of years. It's amazing how much we have made church and what we do on the Lord's Day about me. It's about me. I go to church if I feel like it. I'll go to church on Sunday if everything else I did during the week didn't tire me out and Sunday's my day to sleep. I go to church if I wake up on time. I go to church if I don't have anything else going on Sunday afternoon. I just can't fit it in. I go to church as long as nothing else comes up. I go to church as long as it's the church for me. As long as I like the kind of preaching they do. I go to church as long as they sing the kind of songs that I like to sing. I go to church as long as the pastor is who I think he should be. And he's doing what I think he should do. I go to church as long as I've got people around me who are like me. I go to church as long as my friends are there, but when they start leaving, well, there's no reason for me to go either. 
I go to church because of me. I'm the center of it. As long as it suits my schedule, my sleep routine. I didn't set my alarm to get up in time. I, the head of the home, am not doing anything to make sure my family gets there on time. As long as I don't have anything else going on. And as long as everything when I get there is attractive to me, then I go. But when the message or the things are not what I think they should be, I'm going to cry like a baby. And I'm going to run. And I'm going to go find a church that does suit me. Where is God in any of that? Where is God? Now, I've had enough of these conversations with people. You can squeeze God into that. God is telling me to do this. God is telling me to do that. Here's where God speaks. He does not speak audibly. You have never heard God tell you to do something that he doesn't say here. That's a crutch. Where's the biblical justification for you making church and God's worship about you? We live in a day today. We've taken what the sons of Korah uphold as being the single most important thing about God's people, God's worship. And we've made it about us. And that's why it's necessary for the sons of Korah to exhort the people of God here in Psalm 47 that when you gather as the people of God, you don't go because you feel like it. You don't go because it fits into your schedule. It doesn't, you don't go because you happen to wake up on time. You don't go because, well, they're doing things I like. You go because He is God most high. He owns you. He made you for Him. He made you to worship Him. He called you out of a world of selfishness and self-centeredness and pulled you into a, a world that revolves around Him. He has given you a heart of worship, to know Him, to love Him, to serve Him for who He is and what He's done. You come because He is God, because He's deserving, because He's worthy. Brothers and sisters, as we begin a new year together, we can look back upon the past year, and I've already told you, this sermon is as much for me as it is for you. No doubt every one of us can look back upon the past year, upon 52 Sundays, and think back upon what was really the driving force for me. And for all of us, repentance is in order. There's not a one of us, or we as a church, that have worshipped God in this way as He deserves. 
We do a lot of right things on Sundays, not perfect things. Certainly not things that are catered to most people. But we try to do God-honoring things. But even those aren't perfect. But that doesn't matter. It's God and God alone that is our primary concern. Not my wants, not my desires, not my expectations, not what's comfortable to me, but God and God alone. Part of repentance is not only confession of the reality of our hearts, but it's repentance and faith, it's looking Godward. In my worship, I've maybe looked at you, God, but I've also been looking at the mirror, and it's been a lot about me. In the coming year, I want all about you. But even that is supernatural. I don't believe in just because of the flesh. I don't believe the turn of the calendar will change anything just because it's January next week. Nor do I believe your human willpower or my human willpower will do anything different next week. You and I are not that strong. These, this kind of worship is not natural to us. It is supernatural. This kind of joy in God, this kind of love for God is the fruit of God's Spirit at work within us. And God's Spirit works within us through a tool, this book. It is ludicrous to think that we would gather next Lord's Day with hearts, to use the words Paul, Paul's words, filled with the Spirit, God's Word richly dwelling within us. And the overflow of that, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to the Lord, if we're not filled with the Spirit and the Word of Christ dwelling within us. This week, in order for us to, to be the people of God and to gather and give God the worship He's worthy of, the Spirit of God must give us that joy, and He uses this book, the Word of God. The Word of God must move you to the worship of God. This is where you see God high and lifted up. This is where you know God. This is where the incomprehensible God who we cannot know makes himself known truly. This is where we, we fall on our faces. This morning in our prayer time, we were in Joshua chapter 5, and Joshua comes upon that man who's uh, there, uh, and he's got the sword in his hand, and he wants to know, are you adversary or friend? And, and the man says, I am the, the commander of the Lord's army. And what does Joshua do? He falls on his face before the Lord, worshiping. Speak, Lord. I am your servant. I need you. I can't live without you. I can't proceed in God's calling upon my life and leading these people apart from you. Well, we're, we're Joshua. We every bit need the voice of God his speaking to us, revealing Himself, His ways, His purposes to us in Christ Jesus. And this He does no longer through a man with a sword on the road, but right here in a book, the Word of God, every page pointing us to Christ. 
The great aim of the Word of God is to make us worshipers. That we close our Bibles not having said, well, I did my reading for the day. But we close our Bibles and fall on our faces. Oh, behold the wonder of God. Who is this God? His greatness. His goodness. That a God this holy has done this for me through His own Son. He's called me out of darkness into light, to live unto Him, to worship Him, to know Him, to love Him, to serve that which I was created for. That's when you know you've read your Bible. Not because day one says read Genesis 1 through 3 and you finish chapter 3. You've read your Bible when you're on your face before God, worshiping. And when you do that day after day after day, why are you going to wake up on a Sunday morning and come to church so that together we can give this God the worship he's worthy of? Don't know what songs we're going to sing. There may be a video. We, we may have nothing. This was the, the comical part for me this morning. Y'all didn't know it. God took away everything. Said all you got is a hymn book and try to, try to turn through some pages and find a few songs that are about me and sing them because I'm worthy. Why would that not discourage us this morning? Well, if our worship is dependent upon me and my satisfaction, it will. But if it's about him, it doesn't matter. We worship. May we never forget God's aim for us, even in this new year, is to be worshipers.